Good evening, Patriots. And today is Sunday, December 4th in the year 2022. Again, East Coast, you're always just a little bit ahead of us and dropping, dropping into Monday about right now. Patriots, before we begin, make sure you're taking good care of your sleep. And your sleep is so critical at these points in time. And the best way to do that is to get great products. And the best place to get those is MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards landing page and the place to go for your best deals at MyPillow. And they're amazing deals. Use your promo code B-A-R-D-S, Bards, to get some amazing deals on all range of products. Those include Giza cotton sheets, which are just absolutely amazing. Your MyPillow Classic, another great product. Even their mattresses and their foundation mattresses, the whole thing. And they're just, they will literally make a difference in the way you function in the day. I'm, I've been using MyPillow products now for almost two years. And I can tell you I've used the full range of, of products for sleep. I mean, their mattresses, their comforters, their, their sheets, their pillows, even their mice slippers, and their towel sets. And they're all fantastic. And there's no better time to get Christmas gifts right now than with the great savings that are going on at MyPillow.com. And what a great gift to give to family. Not only is it a quality product, it's an American company with an amazing set of values with a CEO that loves and walks with Jesus, but it's also a great way to seed the best of the best of, of the Love America movement, even if you have liberal relatives. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards promo code Bards. Well, Patriots, there's, it's been a pretty interesting week uh, our last few days, it's been four days I've been down here at uh, Yuba City. And I want to start tonight with a discussion about a young lady that we did some work with in their deliverance ministry section, which was Friday. And if you haven't heard that story, it's probably good to go back and listen to that later. That's in Fishers of Men for Friday of night, from Friday night. But this young lady, uh, just for the sake of conversation, we'll call her Amy. Um, she was dealing with a tremendous amount of challenges. Um, she had multiple voices in her head. Uh, she was having all sorts of problems maintaining her hygiene, and um, there, she just she couldn't speak. Um, she was an unwilling, I shouldn't say couldn't, but it was as if something had her tongue, literally. She was just not able to articulate words. She was um, very, uh, she looked very tired, um, she was very resistant to coming into the ministry, uh, wouldn't allow anybody to touch her and could hardly speak a word without having a long delay in processing. And so working with the team, there was two others with, that I was, I was brought in to work with. And, um, as I work with them, we did a tremendous amount of praying and, um, and did a lot of, there was some really powerful moves to disconnect her from some of the influences that obviously in the demonic realm were with her. And that included the fact that she had been part of a uh, satanic cult. So she had suffered from SR. She was an SRA victim, which is satanic ritual abuse. And there was some very brutal aspects to that story. Um, during the course of that whole event, there was a confrontation that happened with what would be her, I would call her satanic handler, who actually manifested um, in her at a certain point. And there was some pretty heavy-handed work that had to be done to push him back and to give her space 
to be able to um, denounce him and then proclaim her next step. And of course, these are all things that are going to be rooted in the individual seeking that because you, we can't, and as anybody knows anything about deliverance, you don't, you're not doing this work unless someone is willing and compliant and they need to accept Jesus. And that was the first step that was accomplished. And then it was just from there a continued work until that became fairly solid with her. And the transformation in the office was pretty amazing. Um, their family members were with her. She was, uh, they were stunned, in fact, at how she was, she had transformed be, to be able to even allow to be touched a bit. Um, and um, so we kind of left it at there and, and, but it was an amazing witness to see. And again, that story I told pretty well on Friday night. Well, in yesterday's service, last night's service, at the end of the service, I went up to see Pastor Dave, and I was leaving right after the service to go uh, have some conversations with one of the ministry teams. And right before me was the mother of the young girl talking to Pastor Dave. And I hardly recognized the mother. She was she herself had been through a bit of the deliverance work in the in the uh, in the ex- exchange and session that happened Friday. She looked younger. She was completely I just she just looked happy like I we hadn't seen. She came in very heavy. She was very sad. Um and she was there talking, and she was happy and bright and, and vibrant talking to Pastor Dave. And I looked behind her, and I, at first I hardly recognized the person that was standing behind her, only to realize that this was Amy from Friday night or from Friday session. And I was stunned. And I, I mean, I, I will tell you to witness the power of the Holy Spirit of what can happen in that short of time is speechless. Um, she was smiling. She was conversating. She um, was ex- very happy to be in church. She didn't want to go to church at all. She was very happy to be there. I, I, I didn't realize that the ministry team had already seen her. I thought she had just come in. And um, anyway, I went and got the other two people from the deliverance team that I'd worked with that lead the deliverance team. And they were obviously very happy. And I think they were equally happy for me to witness just what that transformation was like. In fact, um, Brian, who, who leads the ministry, the deliverance ministry, said to me later, he says, now you understand. He says, I'm looking at the smile on your face. And he says, and now you understand why I love doing this work so much. And there's no question about it. It's, it's a stunning transformation that I witnessed right before me. And all of that is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to say it. This young lady had accepted Christ in her life, um, had done some hard work, and they continued to pray for her when they came into the church that night. So I was informed later. And um, she literally was... I won't say back to normal, but she was from a place of where she was in the dark walk that she was making. And you could tell that there were multiple voices working within her head. Um, a lot of the th- whatever was there, much of it had been cast out. And she literally was a bright, vibrant young lady. Her eyes were bright. She, she was dressed nicely. She was happy, a beautiful smile. 
And the other thing is that, like I said, she didn't even want to shake your hand. And we ended up, all of us there were able to do a, like a two finger high five with her, which she was very comfortable with and thought it was, she was smiling and enjoying it. This is a, this is just unbelievable uh, type of work when you see it. And I, and I shouldn't say unbelievable. It's really the God's hand at the power of what he can do in healing people. And these types of healings are going to be necessary more and more. What is really not being acknowledged by too many churches is that the SRA, the satanic ritual abuse, is real. And it is growing in extent because as people have gone to churches and they they, inter, they get introduced to the God of doctrine, which has no supernatural, it has no power, and the church doesn't embrace that level of the supernatural God, they're getting cast over and they're making choices to go find that which they seek. They're being drawn to it. And who offers that? Sadly and almost sickeningly, it's the satanic cults that offer this. And they offer it in with tremendous amount of power that comes with it and it's not good power but people are go through rituals and they gain power and so naturally they're going to be drawn to it and so it's it's really on the churches now in my opinion and it's on the ministries to start looking at this and realizing that we do have a supernatural god and i and i've witnessed this now I, from what i witnessed on Friday night when I literally, or Friday, not Friday night, but Friday, what I witnessed was at one point in the most critical part of that work, I witnessed a face that transformed into somebody else. You, one can deny that. That's fine. I'm telling you what I saw with my own eyes. The ministry saw it there as well, the, the ministry team. And that's part of this work is to understand that we are, very susceptible if we're not if we don't understand the the power of armor and the power of faith and the power of prayer and the power of walking within the word but the next part of that is to embrace the power of the supernatural god that can literally come in play here and to not only be part of casting that out which is ultimately it's it's the work to bring in the blood of Jesus to bring in the holy spirit to get that person to acknowledge Jesus as their savior and working in that way, to, seeking out to find out if they want to be healed, and if they do, then to offer them that is at that place, to accept Jesus and to accept Jesus as their Savior, and then to give them enough space within whatever is going on inside of them, so that they can then acknowledge the sorts of things to step forward, like denouncing or separating from some of these soul ties and and other things. So this is a really um, for myself, it was extremely powerful and extremely motivational to just see such an amazing reclaiming of a soul in a young lady and to see the vibrance of life that comes back in somebody who had already been said that they were trying to put her in a psych ward. ward. I mean, they, the doctors were basically like, no, she's never going to recover. She's she's going to go to a psych ward. It's the only thing they had her on. They were trying to get her on all sorts of psychotropics, that's the medicine of keeping us sick. The medicine of keeping us well and healing us begins with the supernatural God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus. And that was witnessed literally in 
less than 24 hours. Just amazing, the, the power that God has. Before we begin, patriots, make sure you're taking good care of your supplies at home and all that's necessary to stock up and be prepared for a time of great uncertainty. Patriots, if you haven't heard, we're heading into the worst diesel fuel shortage in 70 years. And that's a big problem. Because if truckers can't get enough fuel, grocery stores could go empty. You need to stock up now on emergency food. Visit MyPatriotSupply.com and grab a special offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit with a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories a day for strength and energy. My Patriot Supply wants to help American families more by charging less. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. Order enough to get your family through the difficult times ahead. At least one kit per person in your home. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and grab all the four-week kits you need. MyPatriotSupply.com Patriots, food is security, both mentally and spiritually. And the time to prepare is now. That's MyPatriotSupply.com Check it out, Patriots. All sorts of great values of product with food products that can last on the shelf for up to 20 years. So that's pretty awesome. I think one of the things that has really struck me in these last few days is the importance of us paying attention to the voice of God and not being wrapped into our egos. Our ego is one of the biggest traps that we have out there. And it's it's a profound trap that often blinds us to a lot of what God wants us to do. It's a very fine line as we walk this pace, and it's just like so many other things, anger, or I should even say righteousness and vengeance. It's another one of those very, very fine lines to walk. We have to be very attuned to Father God as we move here and being very aware of how quickly we can fall into those traps. I think that one of the challenges again is it becomes a focus point of what's important to God versus what's important to us. Our walk with the Father is on his timeline and it's as he leads, not as we decide to lead. And this is a again, it's one of these very subtle traps that we have to be very aware of that as we get into these places, if we're not cautious, we would begin to assume certain talents and gifts that may be regular, they may just be a singular moment of gift of insight. And if we're not careful in that walk, we're going to end up turning it into a machine and a repetition and a process and an identity, which itself can be very, very dangerous. And that there is yet another big issue we have to be careful with, is assuming certain identities as we move along here that are not particularly us. We can take on burdens over the time over our life that are past burdens that define us so heavily they, they, they block us in. And in those places of the burden, we are defining an outcome and limiting the power of God or worse, using certain gifts of God and channeling them to a place where we're not, we're not using them in the full range or in the scope and intent that God intended us to use. 
there's a lot of amazing, talented people out there. And this doesn't limit ourselves just to spiritual things. It's in everything that we do, whether it's you're an artist, a carpenter, whether you're a computer programmer, whether you're a mechanic. If we start to believe of a limitation of what we have and we start to allow that belief of limitation to creep in, that is going to start hindering God's ability to work within us. And some of that limitation can come from the outside. So let's use a more specific example because I've been kind of talking in rather broad generalities and almost a little bit esoteric, and it's not intended to be, but I'm trying to frame something here. This is, I think it's important to discuss. And, and that is the concept of past burdens. So we go through our lives and something happens in our life. Let's say that it's, a, it's an incident that occurs. We're going to have a relationship breakup that's really dark. We're going to have a conflict with family members that's really dark. There's a, an event perhaps that one is victimized or maybe you are the victimizer. Um, all of these things are forgivable as we accept Christ and we walk within the return to the fold of God. All of these things are forgivable. The question is, can we forgive ourselves? And I think this is one of the biggest issues that we have facing us is the forgiveness of ourselves, not just the forgiveness of others. What ends up happening is that, and this is again right to the point of forgiveness, is that as we are dealing with past issues in particular, that have ended up being rather traumatic. We all have them. Some, If we lay them out on the table, some may look more traumatic than others. But nonetheless, for each individual, where, where they are, those are traumatic moments. And as these are dealt with, those moments can define us for the rest of our life or they can be catalysts for us to be freed. The center point of all of that is for us to forgive ourselves. The first step, obviously, is to forgive others. This is a big one. And that's un, unlifting or lifting off the burden on our hearts, obviously, to turn that over to God and to lead that to a most powerful place where he then can work with us and deliver justice. And justice does come, and it comes in many forms. And, and the kingdom justice is not like our physical justice here. That doesn't exclude. And I had somebody send me something on... Uh, a direct message on Telegram, and I, I just want to point out, I don't, I don't know why this message keeps getting missed, and I'm going to highlight it. I have never said that there is no justice or accountability. Forgiveness is of the heart. There still remains accountability and justice. End of story. I mean, that's there's those two do not get one does not erase the other, and I and that seems to be a recurring. Um theme of contact to me for when I talk about this and it's showing me that people aren't listening and they're not, they're listening to what they want to hear and they're tuning out the message that's being shared here. And I will, I will be honest, it gets a bit frustrating because of the number of times I've gone over this and then somebody will listen to the show and say, yeah, but you, you have to have accountability. Yeah, but we have to have justice. I get it. That's correct. And scripturally it's sound and it says so in fact. But you have to begin with a forgiving heart. And I, what I really see there is when I get these sort of responses, what I'm hearing in those responses is that people don't want to let go of their pain unless they seek vengeance for what happened to them. 
So to say forgiveness, they immediately take and jump to the place that there's no accountability or justice because they don't get to see the other person suffer. That's one of the big traps in all of this. And that's literally the devil's trap. God's justice is ultimately first and foremost about healing. I mean, we go back to our person I referred to as Amy. I mean, let's, let's be clear here. That process was all about trying to develop a forgiving heart and to letting some very big things go so that God could then work in that space to heal. And part of that is in the, these steps going forward is she's going to have to heal herself. I mean, forgive herself. She's going to have to forgive herself. That's getting there. But to be truly free, she's going to have to forgive herself as she is also forgiving others. I witnessed the forgiveness being given there and by her own words. And it was huge shifts and huge shifts in the moment. We have to do the same. We have to be able to forgive those who put the the pain upon us and we have to be able to forgive ourselves. What that's doing is it's opening up our access and God's access to us. We're not, we aren't even, we can't even master this piece here and yet we keep going on here and trying then to carry on these burdens from the past. And then what ends up happening is we get defined by the burdens of the past. This is a difficult one because these things end up being anchors and they end up being limiters. And unfortunately, they allow for the enemy to have a major victory over what God intends for us. Our potential in this world is massive, is massive and massively unlimited. And in that walk, the greatest danger we have to our future and our potential within God's gift to us is us because we tend to take these things on. So if we have a traumatic event in our life, whatever that is, that can be, like I said, it can be a relational thing. It could be a car accident. There's a point in the process of not only forgiving those involved, but again, it's back to forgiving ourselves. What was our part in it? How did we play into it? And how do we forgive it? Otherwise, what ends up happening is it's very much like a burr in your shoe. And it sits there and it, or a stone in your tennis shoe or as you walk. And it continues to work and weave its way into a sore. And that sore then becomes a festering sore. And pretty soon you can't walk. And all that came from tiny little thing that all you had to do is take off your shoe and brush off your sock and shake out, shake out the, the pebble. But we don't do that in this, in this scenario. The person doesn't do that, and they just like, I can power it through. I can keep walking. I can tell you a very a life story about this, a real one. Um, and it's the, it ties right in with this metaphor. So I was doing a hike in 20... I'm sorry, 1999, I did a 100-mile hike on one of my favorite trails. And I had loaded my pack up too heavy. It was about a 75-pound pack. I really should have been running with about 45 pounds. But I had a lot of extra stuff, and I was doing a through hike, and I wasn't planning on resupply. And I threw in a bunch of extra gear I didn't need in the end. And some of that was just overly being overly cautious on my part that I could have gone by gone well without it. And that was the first problem. Second problem was that I chose the wrong hiking shoes. I rather than wearing my hiking boots, I chose 
for speed is it was a 10-day through hike to go with a set of light hikers. And they were actually made by North Face. And they were good hikers, but they were not good hikers for heavier weights on the pack. So I departed and I did the first. It was a pretty good ascent and descent on the first 15 miles. And I did that first 15 miles day one and arrived at my destination. It was almost dark, set up my tent. Um, I remember that night very well. I was short on water. I could hear the river, but I was quite a ways away from it. So I had to kind of suck through a night of almost no water after I'd run out on the hike because there hadn't been a water refill point at that point. And discovered in the morning when I, my feet were hurting and I just crashed and went to sleep, get up in the morning and my feet literally looked like hamburger. Uh, blisters were all over the base of the feet. I did, they'd become numb after that 15 miles and I hadn't paid any attention to it. I could feel it, but I was like, I'm going to power through it. Well, this was a big decision point because I was, I could be picked up and go to a pickup point about three miles down the road or down the hike to be taken back and start the hike over another day to let my feet heal, or I could choose to move forward. And I chose to move forward. Unfortunately, I had brought an enormous amount of moleskin with me and then proceeded to literally rebuild my feet. Um, both pads on my feet were blistered. My toes were blistered. And I had blisters that had crept back to the middle of the arch. It was a bad situation. And so I built out a solid foundation with the moleskin I had. And then took a lot of care to pay attention to my feet. And it was not an easy decision. And it didn't make the hike easy by any means. But the first part of that would have been solved had I paid attention to what was going on early. I ignored it. I got to a point where it became critical and made the decision to go forward. I I go back to the story a lot because so much would have been resolved in the first mile or two had I taken time literally to, quote, metaphorically get the stone out of my shoe. In this case, it would have been to stop, not push through, take my shoes off, put on a moleskin base, I wouldn't have had the blisters and I could have had a really much easier through hike. This through hike was a hundred miles and I had done the first 15. And so I was facing another 85 with feet that were now pretty much hamburgerized by the first 15. I continued forward and I am glad I did. Um, but I did so by having to rebuild that foundation sometimes twice a day. It was not easy and ended up arriving comfortably in the, in that sense. I mean, at least solidly, uh, in 10 days at the destination where I wanted to be. Again, it's a point that I go back to of, I got through it. So we'll use that as a point of, I accepted the problem I confronted the problem. I didn't let the problem identify me. And so I made the corrective action. But over the next nine days, that problem still was there. And it wasn't until I finally finished the hike and then got home. It took another two or three weeks for my feet to heal. 
all of that started because of one little thing that I didn't pay attention to. This is kind of the walk that we're all on in a spiritual sense. That when we have issues that come up to us and confront us and then we don't fully deal with them and release ourselves from the forgiveness of who did the attack or did the issue to us that caused a problem or let ourselves be forgiven for what is done. Those two things end up being burrs in our saddle, quite frankly. And as we move forward with that in life, they can take on tremendous power and shaping events of how we are and who we are. I would have felt horrible having, if I had not done that hike. It was, that, it was one of those hikes I had planned to do. I had, uh, it would have been another year probably for me to redo the hike. And then it probably wouldn't have gotten done because it was an opportune time. It was a hike that I'd planned on, like I said, wanted to do for a long time. I did it. So I, there would have been a big loss had I not done the hike. And I had to weigh that into my calculus at the time of decision. I don't think we weigh those events in our life. We don't, as we go through our life, we don't weigh events similarly. And we should. We look at certain things and how they define us. We can take a relationship issue. You have a bad breakup with somebody or you have a, a rough marriage and things that are going on. You've worked through problems, but past problems have not been fully resolved. We have to get to a place where we begin that resolution through not only forgiving the other, but then forgiving ourselves. And in doing so, then opening that up to that greater aspect of how the Holy Spirit works within us. And I can't tell you what that outcome looks like because the Holy Spirit works within us in different ways. It's individual, but at the center point of all of that is forgiveness. And I don't think there's anything more distorting and powerful than our own component to this where we do not forgive ourselves. When we don't forgive ourselves, we end up in some really dark places. It can be things like wanting vengeance for something, anger at stuff. Um, It can be repressive to where we end up that memory overpowers us, draws us down, leaves us almost incapacitated in certain areas, limits us to do certain things. We have high levels of anxiety and we're unable to confront problems. There's a lot of that. And in the process, what happens is then when we're trying to work with God's gifts, we get back to a place of great challenge because we start to approach those gifts with the burdens of the past and we've limited often the potential of what God can do through us. That's on us to fix, at least to address. And the fixing is the forgiving. And the healing is that relationship we have with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us. It leads to miraculous moments to be honest. And it leads to incredible transformations that we will see and can witness around us. You'll hear people talk about having always wanted to do something. There was a person I knew that always wanted to be an artist. And once they released themselves from these past burdens, accepted forgiveness and accepted Jesus, they became an amazing artist beyond any measure within months It was their dream come true, but they had allowed their past to be healed and released and to allow the Holy Spirit to work within them. I've seen this happen so many times in my life. And then to witness this again with this young lady we're calling Amy, to see her 
transform in 24 hours and to see what the Holy Spirit can do through that, through the process of forgiveness and accepting of Jesus. That's literally miracle level work. And that's God showing us the power of what he can do. And that's just the tip of it. That's hardly, I mean, that's just a little drip, but all centered on that centerpiece of love and forgiveness. What it comes of those that did things to her, I would say, you know, one of our problems that we have with justice is that God is going to seek to bring everybody back to Jesus. I mean, that's going to be the goal. We want to see the justice done to where they're suffering. There is a justice in this world based on accountability, but we're dealing with two measures of justice here that have to be appreciated. And if we obsess on the justice which trends towards vengeance, we are not going to achieve the power of what the kingdom can bring. The power of the Holy Spirit in what it can deliver, the mightiness of the sword of the Spirit in what it can wield is earth-shaking. And again, it goes back to our relationship with the supernatural God and how that God will work with us and through us as we work with him and not to limit the potential of what God can do in us by any means. I've mentioned in the past this process of deep repentance, and I did this about four or five weeks ago. We went through a pretty good week talking about it, literally going back through your life step by step to find those moments that you, in your memories that you can then bring forward and bring to the cross and ask and pray for forgiveness on each and then to ask for the blood of Jesus to heal that moment and then to seal your armor. And I talked about that as a process of basically doing an inventory of of your life or my life because I did it. And it took me about a week to go through the the entire length of my life and then to arrive at a place where I was comfortable to where I would say inventories were brought up to date as far as inventories of repentance. And then to now, as things come up, deal with them right away. I think there's another dimension to that, and I'm picking this up from the work here at at, at, uh, Glad Tidings, is to now do that in terms of names and faces. To literally go through and first and foremost make that list of people that need to be forgiven in your life or you, you should forgive. And allow the Holy Spirit to work through you on what those name lists are and then begin that process of forgiveness for each person. Truly letting go whatever's holding on to that. And some of those things are going to be unexpected. You're going to find some places that you suddenly feel pretty uneasy in your gut about something, and you're like, why do, why do I feel that way? And it's going to be in a place, probably something we don't remember or that is unexpected, that has caused some uneasiness or some a hook, so to speak, of the past, and to try to work through that forgiveness process. And then once you're done with that, to go back through and forgive yourself in the same inventory. These are processes that don't just happen in one sitting of prayer. These are things that take days and weeks to do. And I'm in an active process right now of doing that myself on a number of things through my life. And 
finding the incredible freeing experience that comes from that, because with that comes a greater clarity in how we see with the eyes of God. And in so doing, we're being given greater access to what there is to offer in the Holy Spirit. And what that brings into our lives here in the physical world. It gives us greater clarity, and the most important thing is it enhances our discernment. As we unmuddle our past and step into our present, and God is able to push through us to work with us more boldly, our discernment becomes one of the most important instruments that we have in moving forward in all that we face. This is undeniably one of the most upside-down moments in human history probably ever documented. And so much of this is happening because the institutions of power that we grew up in as considered normal are literally collapsing. And they're collapsing everywhere, and in their panic to collapse, there's kind of a dual-sidedness to this. There's the expectation, in my opinion, from what they're doing to levy more fear and pain upon the public so that we focus on the fear and the pain, and they can continue to create and manifest their manifestations and their curses, which they do at every level. And with that, there is this responsibility that we have to step aside from that. And that ends up being one of the biggest places where as we gain discernment and we separate ourselves from the emotional hooks that they want to put into our heart, we can focus on the justice the kingdom can deliver and unburden our heart from the things that they're doing. Balenciaga is the ongoing example of this, and I'm I'm seeing it happen so much at different levels. I'm seeing people suddenly awaken to this horrors, talking about how they've now done deep dives, deep dives that many of us did three years ago on this topic of child sex trafficking, and, and that was related at the time to the Comet Pizza event. But... This event is much more in the open. There's more people, eyes on it, and there's more people being shaken to this. And so now the, the trick is going to be to separate from the pain, the fear, the anger, the, the vengeance, to separate from that, to focus on the beauty and joy of healing the child and realize that in order for them to heal, they have to forgive and they have to forgive themselves. And then with that, there has to be a, some form of physical justice and there will be kingdom justice with that. If we are cluttered trying to talk to a child and we're, our hearts are burdened with fear, anxiety, hatred, vengeance, we're not doing that child any service. I think that's the easiest way to frame this sort of magnitude of event that we're facing is it from a very sanitized point of view, our love is being directed at the healing of the children. Our unburdening has to be from the unburdening of the emotions that are happening upon us. We have to release ourselves from any sort of personal uh, unforgiveness that we have. Maybe it was something, we, maybe we're taking on the, the burden of saying we didn't do enough, could have done more, Maybe it's memories of something that happened with your own child. These things are you're going to have to lift off and turn that over to kingdom to release yourself to be able to step into the moment with greater authority. And, I'm, and by no means am I saying this is easy. I want to be clear here. 
I'm not in trying to talk through like a little code and go, okay, if you check this box and that box, it's all good. This is a process. And it's a process that digs in deep through prayer. But in doing so, we position ourselves to be mighty men and women of God. And there is, in the process of that, we are ensuring justice. And we are ensuring that as God's hand works through us, there will be justice delivered through us in this realm. And that's the most important part is that all justice ultimately needs to be anchored to kingdom, but there is a justice and accountability. And I hope that message, that part of the message, I hope this finally sinks in because I, I the programming on this, and I'm going to be deep, very clear here, those that are struggling with that leap of justice and forgiveness and thinking that forgiveness excludes justice, I'm going to be blunt. You've been programmed by the system and you're reacting to your programming and it's time for you to let that go and walk into the power of kingdom. That is a product of incredibly effective programming, which effectively is a type of MK Ultra influence programming that you're responding to because trigger words are shutting off your ability to hear the narrative. So again, where we walk has to be one that we walk purely and freely in the power of kingdom. We cannot let the outside influences burden us to such a degree that we end up limiting ourselves, especially when we deal with relationship things or even community things where we do things and others are looking at us, judging us, forget them. That's their issue. We can't take those burdens on. COVID's another big one. And it's going to take a lot of work for us to even lift off, for many to lift off the burdens they have on their own heart of guilt. That, or even worse, it's like this feeling of, of failure or they're lesser or you're not as good as others because you've been judged so hard, harshly by family. That's their stuff, not yours. And so as we get into this freeing, that, freeing from that burden, so we start to open again the amazing walk with God that continues to flow down incredible gifts and talents into us and the love that he can only do. It's been a pretty great few days here in Yuba City. I've enjoyed it, as I always do, and it always provides some amazing insights into the potential of what's ahead and what awaits us as we start to really clear up our own inventories inside and work to allowing the Holy Spirit to do its miraculous work. And just as a final note to the person we're referring to as Amy, it's a blessing to watch that level of Holy Spirit work to where the transformation is so powerful and so complete that a young lady that was potentially destined for a psych ward is literally freed and starting to live again because of the ability to work with the Holy Spirit, free her in the deliverance form of from the influences of demonic forces and all those pains that she carried with her and the contracts that were built through actions, intentional or unintentional, and then to see her now working into the next level, which will be about forgiveness, not only for the others, but for herself. A powerful testimony to what potential is there in the true healing and restoration within the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, this evening we're just 
very humbled to come here tonight and just to reflect deeply on the process of, of forgiveness, one that is not an easy one, and it continues to be a, and it will continue to be a challenging walk because of an enemy that so effectively understands our weaknesses and an enemy that understands very clearly that too many people walk without the true belief in the supernatural God. Tonight, Father, we pray for the power of the supernatural God, that true power of who you are, that sense to be touched by everybody that's listening, that we can literally come to a place here where people can embrace that power of the Holy Spirit and understand that it's greater than anything we can, under, we can appreciate, and that it's there for us to be part of, but it begins with some very fundamental steps. And to get there, we have to have a forgiving heart, and we have to walk in the love of kingdom. We also have to embrace that there is an accountability and a responsibility that we all have for justice in this world. That when we turn our eye against evil, we perpetuate that problem and literally conduct, commit a sin within heaven. When we don't confront evil, speak out to it, when we have institutions that are blindly allowing evil to persist, there comes a point that as we as the people need to start organizing to start ensuring that there is justice that is delivered. That's a very difficult walk for where we are, Father. And it's a difficult part of the message when we go through here because so much of the world that we are in is broken, inverted, and intentionally designed to perpetuate evil rather than to deliver the justice that is required of us in our walk with Jesus. With that, Father, we pray for clarity for each person to understand our role in one, unburdening our heart and opening up the truth and power of kingdom, and two, to understanding more clearly where our role comes in in the form of bringing accountability and justice to this world. We can heal many, but at the same time, if we don't have a mechanism to ensure that that evil can stop or not continue, we're healing only to be throwing people back into the den of wolves. So we pray for that clarity. We pray for the strength of people to continue to stand up and confront evil. And we pray for the, the will of people to start coming together to not only demanding justice, but ultimately relying on you for the wisdom of delivering the justice as you direct and as by however you guide us to be. Wherever you point us, we go, wherever you guide us, and we know that that access to that wisdom is going to be something greater than we can imagine as long as we unburden our heart with the, the things that anchor us and separate us from you, to, be, to live with a forgiving heart and to walk in this world with love and the mightiness of the sword of the Spirit. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of thoughts tonight, and um, to be honest, I'm just kind of working through a few days' experience and sharing that with you, and I think that even in the prayers that come out of this, there's some thoughts that I'll just close with that I think are worthy to consider. We are in a system, as I, as I even said in the prayer, we are in a system that is broken and inverted. It makes the appreciation or understanding of justice very complicated. And in that process of being very complicated, it's very unclear how we should move forward. To me, that's a gift. If we will look at it this way, I think we gain something tremendous. 
if we begin to work on ourselves to really unburden our hearts, to walk with a heart of forgiveness, to walk in that power of kingdom love, knowing that kingdom love includes accountability and justice, and understanding that in this world we have to deliver, we are accountable for the justice that's here, or the lack of as well. I think there's a lot of prayer work to go right there to ask, Father, for the guidance on how we make the next step. Obviously, our actions locally are significant. Making sure that we reset to a, a sheriff in our counties that delivers and is a person of justice. Making sure that we have county commissions and DAs that are in tune with doing the right thing and not being sold out or shackled simply because the trend of the national politics says that we need to turn a blind eye to the horrors of what's going on. We need strong DAs. We need strong sheriffs. We need strong county commissions. Those are actions that either we are participant of locally to mobilize or they're actions that we need to be participant of by physically getting on those boards or in those positions. That's part of what's going to correct this. And what we need are people that are walking with a relationship with Jesus. It's that simple. If they can't walk in that path and they're lacking the moral code that is needed to restore this. In the interview we had with Coe Griffin last week, when he talked about the DC gulag that he was in, the, one of the key messages that he brought there is that many of the guards, if not all of them, were either first-generation American or not at all. We don't know, but they were speaking an African tongue between them. And it was for that reason that they were able to be easily manipulated and see each one of them as racist or KKK because someone told them that. And the whole principle of our Constitution, the way that we work within a Christian ethic in this country, was cast out. They just wanted vengeance, and they wanted to make it painful for every one of them. I'm not excusing that action. They, are, they must be held accountable for the horrors that they're doing to these people in, in the gulag of D.C. My point is, is when we are having people in our system that are not anchored in a relationship with Jesus and not anchored in that as the foundation of how we approach our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, our American system gets hijacked very quickly. So as kind of these closing thoughts, all of this should lead us ultimately to a very poignant moment where our local action is the most significant things that we can do. Being active in our communities, raising up awareness for these very visceral topics of our day, whether it's child sex trafficking, whether it's the vax, whether it's the, the economics, whatever it is, whether it's the, the, the rising up of a digital currency to try to enslave us, these are, but these are all very visceral and important to discuss. And as we build the awareness for those, and especially seeking the, the bottom line of things of accountability and justice, that begins locally in how our communities see the problem, appreciate the need for justice, and then demand that sort of action to be followed through with our county commissions, our DAs, and our sheriffs. That becomes a very tectonic shift across the nation when counties start to restore the element of justice and accountability. 
And what it avoids is that slippery slope, which happens can happen very quickly. And quite frankly, in my opinion, what this deep state wants is to where we start to see the rise of mass events of vigilante justice. And in so doing, we lose control of a, of a system that should be based on a moral justice anchored in kingdom. We're in a very difficult point here. This is not going to be an easy walk. And so the way through that ultimately is to put our prayers to Father God to ask for that guidance to make these steps to lead us so that we can walk as Jesus would want us to walk, understanding that he did flip tables, he did confront the Pharisees, and he was very clear on the punishment that people would get for harming the little ones. Those are all very clear issues in Scripture. Our role now is to unweave, unwind this mess that we're in, start with our hearts of forgiveness and walking in love, but understanding that through kingdom, we can be guided in our actions and through our love in God and our guidance that we ask of him to be guided in our actions to restore that justice and accountability within our local lives. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never about, never about evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, hope you have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
chasing mountains I can't climb. Holding out for heroes in the night. I find myself here in the dark. We learn to fight and learn who we are. But I am raised up to face the stars. Out of my life, the dark.